Today's readings are from Hebrews 4 and Matthew 11. Hebrews 4, 1 to 11. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on earth in my anger, oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set on a certain day, set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. In the message version of Matthew 11:28 to 30, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So over the past four weeks, we've been, you know, talking through and learning this Sabbath practice through these four movements. Can you say it together with me? There's stop, rest, delight, and worship. Great. You guys have picked it up. And so hopefully they're more than just words that you can recite, but that these are things that we are learning to do better over these coming weeks. So uh, over these past weeks. So what I want to do to begin our message today is to invite you to share how the Sabbath practice has been for you. Maybe you've taken a step in, uh, in, in practicing Sabbath differently. So I'm going to open it up for a few moments, for a few minutes. Uh, you can just share 60 seconds, one answer, one sentence answer to these three questions. Does that sound good? I can start as I get this mic set up. So for Sabbath, for me, one of the things that I started to do was to put, put my phone away for more than four hours, where I where I would not check it and look at it. Oh, okay, okay, good, perfect. So, so, and then what was hard was actually doing that because things are going off and having them set aside. And uh, how did that make me? Well, I just found this quietness and not being constant. You realize how much you depend on picking up your phone, checking it, and even when you don't need to. And so that's my experience. How about for you? Raise your hand and James will run over and share. Just Oh, there you go, Karen in front here. 
So I think something I found joy in is the delight part of Sabbath. So even like walking home with Kim Johnson and seeing the leaves turning or seeing people walking their dogs. It's just like there's so much that is beautiful around us. Um, so stopping to notice the creation that God said was good has been very refreshing for me. Great. Thanks, Karen. Mm -hmm. The Sabbath enabled you to create some space and attentiveness to that. Anyone else? Just share very quickly. Raise your hand where you're at. How have you practiced Sabbath and how has God shown up? Um, I work in real estate and I've worked in real estate for four years now. For the first time in four years, I didn't look at my work email or texts for a 24 hour period over three, <laughs> over three weekends. And it was extremely liberating. Um, I think I've been, med my small group already knows this, but I've been meditating on not worshiping the twin gods of achievement and accumulation. And those, those two things are so integrated into my industry. Not that I shouldn't be in this industry, but it was a really good practice for me to realize that, um, one, my team doesn't actually need me for 24 hours, so it's humbling. But two, it's not life or death, and God's in control, and it'll just keep spinning and spinning without me. <laughs> so it's been very liberating. Thanks, Julia. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. All right. Elsa, just say your name so we know who's talking, because we can't tell from behind masks. My name's Julia. Thanks, Julia. We appreciate you, Julia. Um, my name is Rachel, and um, as some of you know, I went on a sabbatical a few years ago, and that was just a great chance to lean into this topic in a longer stretch of time, and happy to talk with others about that. Um, but uh, I five years ago, wrote myself 10 challenges for 2022, and one of them was go on a silent retreat. Um, and I like to talk, so being silent is really hard for me, but this was a good challenge um, with this sermon series to uh, really lean into that. And I, I just challenge people to think about, um, yeah, instead of this accumulation, um, seeing God as a God of generosity who wants to be generous to us. And so my landlady is like, I have a farmhouse out two hours away that you could just stay at. And another friend who's like, hey, I need to go to the airport and could you drive me and, um, and you can use the car to get out there. And so I think just... Um, part of what I learned on my sabbatical is, is to say, hey, God, you say that you're a God of provision, so show up, and um, God will bless our, our, you know, stepping into um, Sabbath and sabbatical, and I was delighted to find at the farmhouse there were sheep, and just to sit there and watch the sheep and the messages from God from that, so thank you. Anyone else? to hear from you. Or even if you shared it in your small group. Obstacle. My shame agent continues to convict me that I'm not getting done what I need to get done when I'm just resting in God. So 
God's been talking to me about that, but I am finding it very hard to let go. So I'm still in the midst of being accused that I'm not getting things done as I try to find rest in God. So anyway, the conversation is going to continue, I'm sure. <laughs> Hi, I'm Crystal. Um, being an empty nester and in a semi-ready-to-retire cotton-back kind of place, I was like, oh, I got this. Like, stop, no problem. Rest, do it all the time. Um, delight, I love my walks. I love nature. I love just being with people. Finding delight was... was but then the worship part came along <laughs> last week. And, um, and I realized, like, everything, a lot of what I, my best worship is with people, right? Like with you all on Sunday mornings, with my small group, with music playing that someone else is providing for me, but like the quiet or the worship that's just me and God, I tend to avoid for some reason. Um, and I've been really challenged through this season to like, uh, the elders, we talked some about um, how personality impacts, you know, God made me this way, this is what I do, this is who I am, I can find joy in that, I can be grateful, you know, I'm good at it, whatever, but um, I need to push into the parts that aren't quite so easy sometimes to be more balanced, so I've been really challenged to push into the quiet um, without my phone, I, I do not, I like to be entertained, <laughs> right, so just nothing is like, ooh, boy, ADHD flies in, you know. So I've been really challenged. The struggle for me, the resistance, has been to not be constantly entertained or busy. All right. Oh, okay. Rich? So my name's Rich. Um, I think one of the hardest things that we've talked about in our small group is just the intentionality. I mean, some of this might be easy for some people, but if it's easy and you already do it, is it with the same intention that we're supposed to have with regard to Sabbath? So, yeah, it's easy for me to just do nothing. <laughs> That's not hard. <laughs> but it is difficult to, like, change that and think, I'm not doing nothing. I'm intending to rest and to be thinking about the Lord and my relationship with Him and, and what He's provided. So, yeah, that's a big difference. Okay, good. Thank you so much. That was really rich. And this Sabbath practice is something we're all learning to do, and we're all learning to do together, which is, uh, you know, to lead us to this place of deeper life and deeper love with Jesus. Um, through, th so through this sermon series, we've been learning to remap, really, our, our lives and orient them around this Sabbath practice. And we've spent most of our time, you know, hearing from these Old Testament passages in Genesis and Exodus uh, about the Sabbath. But today we heard there's this kind of an obscure passage in Hebrews chapter 4 that also speaks of Sabbath rest. And, and we discover that Sabbath rest here is, is not just a day of the week, but it's a state of being. It's a state of being to experience. And we hear that in verses 3 and verses 9, where, where the, the writer of Hebrews says, you know, now we who have believed enter that rest. Verse 9 comes back again. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, you may have heard this phrase, you know, live in the dream. 
You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's, you know, you see it, hashtag, living the dream. And it's often, this, it's this idiom that's saying, I'm living my best life. I'm living out all the goals I've set out to do. But what, is, what does this living the dream look like here in this life? I think in America today, this living the dream is often associated with material prosperity, with comfort, with personal happiness, and, uh, and, and, and freedom. But what if those dreams, typified in the American dream, fall far short of what it means to be human and what we are created for? The writer of Hebrews is saying something that all humans long for and that we can begin experiencing, not just in the life to come, but in this present life. And those dreams are actually what God's word describes here as Sabbath rest. So God's people can actually begin living the dream, living the Sabbath dream. So how? It begins with trust and obedience to God. Sabbath rest comes to those who respond to God in faith. Verses 2 and 3, we're told that some of the Hebrew slaves who experienced God setting them free from Egyptian captivity. The same people saw the Red Sea part before their eyes and they walked through the sea and covered up the soldiers that were chasing them. The same people that saw God provide manna on the ground every single morning so that they had something to eat in the wilderness. These same people, some of them, did not share the faith of those who, who obeyed. In other words, some did not really fully trust God and obey God for who God said he was. And because of that, they were unable to enter the promised land 40 years later. There was a generation of people who did not obey and trust God after the exodus and therefore could not enter into the promised land. So the writer of Hebrews, what he's doing here uh, he or she, I guess, is, is, tell, is giving us a word picture of the Sabbath rest for God's people now. Some of us can enter the Sabbath rest now, and some of us do not. Some uh, can live the Sabbath dream, and some do not. Why? Because of unbelief. Because of our instinct, like it's not that you don't believe God, but you don't believe that God's got things in control. You don't believe that God's going to provide. You don't believe that you can let go of your work for 24 hours because something, it's not in your control. It's our instinct to hold on to control of our lives. God rested, if we look back in the creation account that we kept going back to, God rested completely after the work of creation was completed. So Jesus' followers can also enter into God's rest by recognizing that Christ's work has redeemed them from sin. And that has been completed on the cross and in Jesus' resurrection. So this is what we're believing that allows us to enter into the rest of God. Believing the good news of Jesus is how people experience Sabbath rest in our lives now. So let's talk about, okay, it's like, oh, most many of us here, maybe, oh yeah, I believed in Jesus, so why don't I experience Sabbath rest? What does that look like? Well, we've heard it described in different ways over the recent weeks. You know, we've heard this uh, image of decreasing anxious concern in our lives and, in, and, and at the same time increasing yielded trust to God. A life of communion and enjoying our union with God. 
But this also describes a sharing of this life with God in this world. Living the Sabbath dream is anticipating rest of the new creation where justice and peace roll like a mighty river, as the prophet Isaiah describes. When the great Martin Luther King Jr. began his speech you know, on the mall saying, I have a dream, he was living the Sabbath dream. He was imagining this world to come that was meant to enter into our present world. In light of this ugly reality of racism and slavery and its legacy, King was imagining a new way for our nation to live and to flourish so that every person, regardless of skin color, could flourish. See, that's what living the Sabbath dream looks like for the people of God. So let me just say two things quickly about the implications of practicing the Sabbath that go beyond just this individual and highly personalized practice where it's just about my, my, my well-being and my rest. See, the, there's a link between the Sabbath dream and justice and the Sabbath dream and community. See, when we think of the word justice, we think of punishing wrongdoers. We have an entire justice department to do that, right? To apply the law against those who misuse power and harm others. Justice can also be the righting of wrongs and the restoring of relationships, as we've learned in different series, as what Scripture describes. But justice, there's this other element. In light of a holy, righteous, and perfect God, justice simply means that all of us are put on the same level in the presence of God. Every person, every system, from the most evil and heinous to the most apparently righteous and God-serving. Every single person, every single system will be found wanting before the presence of a holy and righteous God. We are all in need of mercy. We all have fallen short of God's expectations for what it means to live as a human, no matter how well-intentioned we are. And as a result, we all stand guilty before God. And the only ones who can be declared righteous and be in right relationship with a holy, perfect God are those who have responded in faith to Jesus' atoning work. And this gift of redemption and restored relationship with God comes to us through grace. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we can do to make, make us right before God. Grace is God simply giving us what we do not deserve. And that's what it means to respond in faith to God primarily. Those who have experienced God's ex grace begin to recognize God's invitation to a possibility of this new world with a new garden in a new city made new by the Son's righteous obedience on our behalf. This is the world, the dream, that seems like a dream, but it can become a reality because of what Jesus has done. So what's the connection between this good news, and Sabbath, and justice. Well, living the Sabbath dream is like the childlike play in a new garden because Jesus has humbly and courageously entered into the Garden of Gethsemane on our behalf. There's a new garden party that's begun in the Sabbath. And for God's children to not play and delight in this Garden party is rebellion against God's good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. 
So Sabbath is living this dream of a new creation that Jesus began 2,000 years ago. So what does it mean for us to play in justice? Because we feel like justice is such a serious thing. And to call forth freedom for others here. Uh My my notes page is missing here. Oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, Jürgen Moltmann is a German theologian who describes living the Sabbath dream like this, saying, life as rejoicing and liberation, as solidarity with those in bondage, as play with reconciled existence, and as pain at unreconciled existence, demonstrates the, the Easter event in the world. This is what it means to live the Sabbath dream. Sabbath is a day to dream of this new garden party to come and asking God for how we live and play in this new garden in light of the world we live in and to invite others or how do we expand this party for others to enjoy. That's what it means to live the Sabbath dream. So I ask you, what burdens do you have and what burdens do you uh, grow in you for others around us? What brings you tears or anger when you see a headline? How do your skills and gifts and resources intersect with opportunities for something bigger than your own welfare? Perhaps these are the areas that we can begin living the Sabbath dream. Dan Allender, in his book on the Sabbath that we've referenced quite often, says this. The danger with gratitude that we're trying to nurture on Sabbath, the danger with gratitude is that it prompts care. The danger with care is that it engenders dreams. Sabbath is a time to indulge dreams. Spiritual writer uh, Marva Don says this. Sabbath is an aftertaste of the garden and the foretaste of the city to come. Sabbath is an aftertaste of the garden and a foretaste of the city to come. See, when we begin viewing Sabbath this way and justice, we realize that Sabbath is not just a merely, merely a personal wellness strategy. That's what we like to turn it into, especially in our modern world. Sabbath is not just some sanctified self-care language for pleasure and selfishness, which we can often turn Sabbath into. Sabbath is an opportunity for God's people to dream and to live the dream of this life to come because of what Jesus has done. So in this life to come, I really don't think that we will be disembodied spirits floating around in the sky. And I don't think we'll be slightly chubby babies in diapers practicing archery for eternity. (laughs) I do think that Sabbath rest in the life to come will involve us being around a table, worshiping with the saints, and caring for God's creation a creation that's unmarred by the effects of sin. So why not begin living that dream now? Gathering around a table, worshiping with the saints, caring for God's creation. Sabbath is not the same thing as silence and solitude, even though we can do those things on our Sabbath. Sabbath is a practice that we enter into together with others. It's not meant to be done alone. And perhaps maybe that's 
part of your frustration, my frustration, maybe it's part of our guilt of, oh, we're not doing Sabbath well, is that we think it's something we have to figure out for ourselves, by ourselves. But instead, we find that it's a practice to be taught and to be led and to be supported and to be demonstrated in relationship with others, the people of God that we can embrace together. That's why we took some time to share what it's like for each one of us, because we learn how to Sabbath by hearing how each of us might be led to do so. You see, when we go back to the Old Testament, God gave this command to Sabbath, of Sabbath to Israel as a people group, not individuals. It was given to their leader, Moses, so that they learned how to order their lives around these shared rhythms that would shape them individually and together. And though the people struggled to trust God and to let go of their own control, even over food that came each morning, it was in community that little by little, the people learned how to let go of their own control of a situation and together order their lives around a shared practice that helped them to uh, cease relying on their own work and to begin and to let, cease relying on their own control and to trust God to provide for them and to lead them. Sabbath is a practice for a day in the week. is one way that we can let go of our control of the weekend, and so it can become worship. From weekend to worship. Now, you, maybe you've been listening for the past few weeks, and you're saying, Andrew, you've been saying all these things that we're supposed to say no to so that we can say yes to God, right? To life in God. But you also hear, you see these things on the screen, you hear all these invitations and, and the announcements saying, well, uh, go, can you serve? Can you join this? Can you participate in this activity? And last week we talked about not turning Sabbath into Sab-ish, right? The, the bastard uh, descendant of Sabbath and the weekend. What if we turned our posture, shifted our posture towards what we do on the weekend, what we do on the Sabbath? What if we viewed the giving of our time and talents and resources as worship of God rather than as an obligation to fulfill or maybe an obligation to avoid? Maybe we're asked, you know, we asked to serve children or do media or set up chairs or to help with DC 127 uh, Thanksgiving uh, gift baskets. We're invited to go and pray in a lament service about gun violence. All these things that we're invited to do, they sound like tasks to do, and we're trying to fit them in our busy weekend. But what if we begin seeing them as, oh, this is the way that God's people begin to live the Sabbath dream of this new kingdom here in this world now. And it becomes living the Sabbath dream that God has called us to as God's people. Instead of viewing them as tasks to do that can cause us stress, they can be viewed as activities by which the people of God are living the Sabbath dream and participating in this kingdom that Jesus begin, began to inaugurate. When we come to, with that in mind, when we come to Jesus' invitation in Matthew chapter 11, that Julia read for us earlier, to come and find rest and to take God's yoke as an invitation. It's not just an invitation to each one of us to come to Jesus, but it's an invitation for us to participate in the life of God, in God's kingdom. And it's an invitation for us to extend, for all to live the Sabbath dream and enter the Sabbath rest that Jesus has secured for those who respond in faith. May we live this dream into reality by the power of God's Spirit and for the good of all creation.